gotcha. Gotcha is the word of the day. Welcome to Monday, June 7th, 2021. Gotcha, when I was a kid, Coca, gotcha was one of my favorite movies with Anthony Edwards and Linda Fiorentino. And it was about this sort of spy caper thing. And I was in love with Linda Fiorentino. And Anthony Edwards, this is before Top Gun, I think, or maybe an after Top Gun, but certainly before ER, he had a full head of hair and he was a kid. So I think it was before. Gotcha is the word of the day having nothing to do with the movie. It has to do with Major League Baseball. And it is a new day in Major League Baseball. Today, Monday, for the first time ever, foreign substances will no longer be allowed to be used by pitchers. Now, we've covered this topic. You may be bored with it, but not when you hear this. The owners got together last week. They came out of it saying that they were going to enforce new rules. They were going to figure out a way because the owners had enough. I've been in those meetings. Owners don't say it that way, the way it's reported. We're not going to take it. No, we're not going to take it. It's not like that. They're not like, come on, feel the noise. There's no rioting. It's just conversations. There's little sidebars. There's little committee meetings. There's group meetings. It's really all done in, within the commissioner's office. And then he gets a few owners to help him. Then they inform the other owners because it's not a vote. There's no vote. When there's no vote in an owner's meeting, it means that you have zero say over what's about to happen. When, it, when a team gets sold, there's a vote. Collective bargaining agreement gets agreed to, there's a vote. A team gets relocated, expansion, vote. Let's start MLB.com, vote. How about a network? Vote, vote. Expand the playoffs, vote. Foreign substances, rule changes like that. Rule changes get votes. But wait a minute, Trevor Bauer got it right. It's not a rule change that's happening in Major League Baseball. It's enforcing of an existing rule. It would be as though, for whatever reason, all throughout the last 50 years, whenever you got to three balls and a strike, they let the man take first base. The rule says four walks, four balls to a walk. But for whatever reason, they were saying three balls, first base. All of a sudden, they're going to enforce four balls for a walk. That's not a rule change. That's enforcing an existing rule. How about the strike zone? Do you know that within the rules of baseball, there is a dedicated page to the definition of the strike zone that umpires are supposed to do? It's from the nape of the neck to the bottom of the nipple to the top of the shin to the right of the fat roll if you've had three hot dogs. It's, it's defined by inches and sizes and Umpires just call strikes whenever they want. They call balls whenever they want. They're absolutely horse crap, the majority of umpires right now. Did you see that Yankee game? Hey, hey. Anyway, robotic umps are coming. Spoiler alert. Electronic strike zones are coming. Spoiler alert. So enforcing the existing strike zone is something that we talked about in committee for years. And I would always raise my hand and just ask a simple question. I'm not sure I understand what's happening here. Are we purposefully telling umpires not to enforce the strike zone as written in the rule book because we're looking for more offense or more defense or we're trying to help a certain team or hurt a certain team? Aren't we creating confusion? 
when there's not a uniform strike zone. And then I'd be told there's never been a uniform strike zone. And I would say there's always been a uniform strike zone. It's just never been enforced. Well, you've got Eric Gregg and then you've got Jim Wolf. I'm talking about big umpires. You had a, uh, there was a very big umpire who, uh, oh God, dang it, dang it. Very, very tall. He was an umpire during our World Series. Not Hirschbeck and not, ugh. all right, forget it, Coca, get rid of that. 49, 79, 69. So to me, when rules are going to be enforced, it is not worth an article, it's not worth a comment. So the rule on foreign substances has always been around and that rule simply states that the ball cannot be doctored. I mean, it says it in legal language, but it doesn't matter. The ball cannot be doctored by the pitcher, period. Okay. So MLB has the owners meeting and then they make an announcement. And the announcement this weekend is one of the best announcements. I never saw anything like this in my 18 years, but times they are a changing. Here is what you can expect at a baseball game near you starting, my guess is in a couple of weeks, maybe it's 10 days, maybe they'll start it on July 1st, maybe they'll start after the All-Star game. Maybe they won't tell you when they're gonna start it because wouldn't it be weird to actually call out a day and do it in a release? Major League Baseball, along with the Players Union, has decided that starting on July 1st at the 7 p.m. game, rule number 5.01 Gimmel will now be enforced. It's so bizarre. It makes you look like an idiot, right? So it won't be like that because even baseball has better PR than that. What they'll do is all of a sudden you're going to see an umpire do something that we've just now read about they're going to do. And what they're saying is pitchers are now going to be actively randomly checked by umpires without being asked to be checked by the opposing team. Now, it's an unwritten rule that umpires are not gonna check the height of the mound. Umpires are not gonna check pine tar in a bat. Umpires are not going to check cork in a bat. Umpires are not gonna check Vaseline, sunscreen, rosin and pine tar that is showing or not showing in a pitcher's uniform, in a pitcher's glove, down to pitcher's pants. They're not gonna do anything unless and until the opposing team manager brings over the umpire in between innings, whispers to him, hey, how you doing? How's the hotel you're staying at? You feeling good? Having fun on the road? By the way, just do me a favor. When it gets to a two ball count, we really need to get a victory. We haven't won a game in like a week. On the next two ball count, could you go ahead and go to the mound and check out this guy? This guy's got the kitchen sink underneath his uni. And the umpire says, all right, I'll do that, Joe. So the umpire goes out, finds it, takes away, throws him out of the game, whatever the umpire does. That's how it's always gone. Hey, Bonds is coming up. And Bonds never did this, but George Brett's coming up. Could you check the pine tar, please? But let me just wait to see if he hits the ball. Oh, God, he hit a home run. Hey, we got to check that bat. I think it's corked. That's how it's worked. Now umpires are going to be checking pitchers without being asked by managers. How's that going to work? They're just going to walk out to the mound whenever they feel like it? Whenever a catcher gets hit in the groin with a foul ball and the umpire's trying to waste a little time, he's just going to walk out and start feeling up the pitcher. Hey, nice to meet you. I'd like to get to second base. Hey, take your clothes off. Well, can we do this in private? No, we cannot. Let me see. Let me see your glove. Can you imagine that? 
equipment checks, random. They're saying that they're going to pull out pitchers as they're leaving the game. They could check them when they're walking off the mound. They could check hitters whenever they want, but they're not going to. Position players, by the way, are subject to foreign substance checks, but all the conversations that the owners have had with the union and the umpires is only about pitchers. That's all they're focused on. So Trevor Bauer goes, does a quality start. Side note, Coca, quality starts are the most ridiculous stat in baseball. We never paid attention to them. The media would write about them all the time. John Cocktoston had a quality start when six innings gave up three runs or fewer. That's not a quality start. I want to win. Anyway, so Trevor Bauer pitched six innings, gave up three runs. He walked a bunch of guys, whatever, whatever. The the, uh, Dodgers are still in third place. Trevor Bauer was asked about this new foreign substance situation, and he said, all I want is a level playing field. That's all he wanted. Do you know what he's actually saying? Well, he then said, here's actually what he said. I want a level playing field. I want to know what rules we're playing by. I would have said to him, we're playing by the rules that are in the book that are given to you and every other member of the union and every owner and president and GM. It's called the rule book. Those are the rules we're playing by. But Bauer said, hey, I just want to know, what rules are we playing by? And what he meant to say was, translation, if no one's going to use foreign substances, I'm not going to use them. If somebody's going to use foreign substances, I'm going to use them too because I'm not going to let someone have an advantage that I don't have. And just because there's a rule against foreign substances does not mean that I'm going to follow that rule because I know that someone else is breaking that rule and I get better spin rates and I get higher contracts. Meanwhile, spin rate was like 200 RPMs below what it normally is in yesterday's start. And so ostensibly, he was not using foreign substances yesterday. So did he lose command? Did he not get a grip? Is that why he was walking players? It's really quite a large wait to see about what's going to happen. But it's not the official way to see because here's the little nugget that's not being talked about. There is going to be a negotiation, and this has to be a negotiation between the commissioner's office and the players union, because all that matters when you are all of a sudden deciding to not just implement a new rule because it's an old rule already on the book, as I've said, but to enforce that rule with a penalty, and that penalty is no where written in the collective bargaining agreement, you have to negotiate a penalty. So the commissioner goes to the union and says, we want to do a 10-game suspension for any pitcher found with a foreign substance. That's two starts just for those counting at home. That's huge. If you're supposed to start 35 games a season, two starts, that's 5% of your starts. That's a very big suspension. And the union is going to say, well, I'm not sure about that. 10 games seems like a lot. There has to be an appeal process. You know, the appeals that always get heard back in the day by Joe Torrey, and I think they may be heard by Michael Hill now. And so the appeals are when you go from two games to one or two games to two or 10 games to nine, or if you're a pitcher, 10 games to eight, because if it's eight games, you actually can only miss one start because you pitch, then start serving your suspension, miss your start on day five, miss the next three games, but then you can start on day 10, which means you miss one start. So it's a one-start suspension. But what's the appeal? The uniform is going to be laundered already. Now they could take your uniform from you and make you strip in front of an MLB official. Not going to happen. As it is, there's MLB and testing people watching the players pee. Have you ever seen that? That's actually, Coca, how 
uh, steroids works. When you get tested for steroids, the players have no idea whether or not they're going to get tested. When they're coming off the field after a game or they're coming off the field after BP, there's a guy there with a clipboard and the guy says, you, you, and you come with me. So they have to walk into the bathroom as is. They can't go to the locker. They can't go to their phone. They can't do anything. They can't exchange pee. They can't do any of the stuff like what Lawrence Taylor used to do. You've got to go into the bathroom, but you go to the stall, you stall doors open or you're at the urinal and they watch them go. So is that, and if you can't, by the way, what's funny is that if you can't go, which some players say, listen, I, I just don't have to go which is not really normal after a game. Pretty much every player has to go after a game because you're drinking a lot and eating a lot of sunflower seeds and stuff. So you generally have to go. So if you don't have to go, you can't just like go home or say, hey, I'll get you later. The guy has to stay with you until you have to go. So you see like a little puppy dog following around a player like in the shower. Hey, are you peeing in the shower? No, I'm not. All right, good. Get out of the shower. They walk to the food room. They get food. It's a whole thing. It's really quite funny. So is that what they're going to do with the foreign substances? You'll have a guy following the player, the pitcher, as he takes his clothes off and he looks at his glove, looks at his hat. Do you confiscate the glove and the hat, but not the pants and not the socks? What about the undies, the skivvies? It's really quite uncomfortable. But I guess they're doing it. So it means Trevor Power is going to be happy. The owners have had enough. They believe that you're not watching baseball because of foreign substances. They believe that's the reason. It can't be that baseball is boring. It can't be that you've never heard of any of the players and none of the players are active on social media and they don't really care about increasing their profile. It can't be that. It's got to be the fact that there's only home run strikeouts and walks. That's got to be the reason. So therefore, we're going to address that because we think you want to see teams hit 280, not 230. So therefore, in order to do it, we're going to start enforcing the foreign substance rule because we think that's the cause. All right. It's going to take a year to figure out if that's true, then another year to figure out if ratings are increasing or if people are engaged or if attendance is up. So we're like in the first inning of this. But this is the cause du jour. The cause of the day. The word of the day is gotcha. The cause of the day is foreign substances. So I have got to wait to see for you, and it's going to be this. This is a slam dunk. There is going to be a pitcher who gets caught. A pitcher will be suspended for a foreign substance abuse. Can you say foreign substance abuse? That makes it sound like they're doing crack that's made in Colombia instead of in Ohio, right? That's probably not what I mean. It's not abuse. It's just foreign substance use, I think, is the word I was looking for. There will be a pitcher, wait to see, who would get suspended 10 games for foreign substance use. MLB loves making examples of players. They're going to choose a player. I don't think it's going to be a Trevor Bauer. I'm talking like a middle-of-the-rotation guy, maybe a bullpen arm, maybe a middle-of-the-bullpen arm, not even a closer. It's not going to be a significant pitcher on a team that is significantly in the playoff race, but it will be. That's a bonus part of the wait to see, but credit on this wait to see where I always revisit it. Or any way to see gets revisited since the start of the show. And I'll let you know if I'm right or wrong. A pitcher will be suspended for foreign substance use. Wait to see. All right, Coca, we have to get a little emotional right now. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk 
to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. If you're new to nothing personal, and many of you are, and thank you, stick with us. We do a segment where you get on Twitter at David P. Sampson. In order to get into the DMs, you have to follow because I'll check to see if you follow when I see the UDM. And I'll look for a question and I'll answer a question on a show, maybe in a mailbag. We're going to do a bunch of mailbags coming up because there's an overwhelming number of questions you've asked on Apple, you've rated, you've reviewed, and we appreciate that. You followed on Spotify. I think you watch the YouTube channel even without me threatening you. Nothing personal with David Sampson. I'm not going full levitard and doing a 24-hour threat. Although Coke and I are going to do 24-hour show one of these days. Did you watch the 24-hour show, Coke? Any part of it? That was fun. Those guys can do it. They can do it without me. But So You Want to Talk to Sampson comes from a movie. The movie, as some of you know, is called Half-Baked. If you haven't seen Half-Baked, I strongly suggest it. And I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again. The best way to watch Half-Baked is to be seven-eighths baked. Some people watch Half-Baked Half-Baked. Some people watch Half-Baked Not Baked at all. In that movie, there's a character named Samson. His name is Samson, spelled the same way my name is. David P. Samson is Twitter, S-A-M-S-O-N. The character's name is Samson. And everyone wants to talk to him throughout the course of the movie. I want to talk to Samson. Well, yesterday, the actor who plays Samson passed away. He was 81 years old. Clarence Williams III, who you may have seen him in other things, but none of it matters. He will go down in infamy as plain Samson in Half-Baked. So this show on June 7, 2021, episode number 385, not counting the sit-downs and bonuses and everything else. Episode 385 is devoted to you, Clarence. We will always have a kindred spirit. And I spent last night before the end of the Yankee Red Sox game, which I watched because we needed a win in the nothing personal pick of the day, by the way, but which we got. But I watched Half Baked, which I had seen so many times, and I gave you eight eighths. This one's for you, Clarence. So the question on So You Want to Talk to Samson today is, John Ram is clubhouse leader after three rounds of PGA Memorial, and it got removed from a tournament after testing positive for COVID. He may not be vaccinated. What are your thoughts on what happened? So John Rahm is a player. He is ranked very highly in the world. There was a PGA tournament going on, and the way PGA tournaments work in golf, very often you get there on a Monday, believe it or not. You spend the week, you do a little practice, and then it starts on Thursday. PGA, once COVID started, they had COVID protocols put in place, and the COVID protocols called for contact tracing, contact tracing, testing, and the rule is very simple. If you test positive for COVID-19, you cannot play. If you test positive on the eighth hole, then you're taken off the course. If you test positive on the 18th hole, you're taken off the course. If you test positive before the first hole, if you test positive and you're winning the tournament after 54 holes and you test positive, you are taken off the course, game over. John Rahm was winning the tournament. Earlier in the week, he had gotten near, apparently someone who tested positive. He went into the contact tracing protocol he tested every day as part of the rules. He tested negative and then negative and then negative and then negative 
and then negative and then negative. And then on Saturday, after three rounds of the tournament, he tested positive and he was not allowed to play the final round. He was informed by the PGA Tour medical director. He cried, which I would have cried. I don't quite understand golf's rules. Is there one sport out there where social distancing can be the rule of the day? Maybe you let a player test positive for COVID who's asymptomatic, might I add, where you don't know for sure whether or not it's a false positive, which we know exists. We don't know whether or not John Rahm was vaccinated, by the way. I believe that if he had been vaccinated, then he would have been allowed to play. I can't guarantee that. That is my way of saying, get vaccinated for crying out loud, meatloaf. So John Rahm is pulled and I wanna know why. How about saying you tested positive for COVID-19? Here's the plan, Stan. You're teeing off at 6 a.m. on first light. You're teeing off alone. You got no caddy. You are carrying your own bag. It's your choice if you want to play. You're carrying your bag. We'll have some officials on the course, but you're doing your own flag. There will be no one near you. We are then going to clean every flag because we're going to also make you wear gloves when you lift up the flag. And then we'll clean it before the regular tournament starts. We know that COVID doesn't pass on services on surfaces for the most part. We also know that if you're outside and you're socially distanced, that you're not gonna have a problem. So it's not as though you're playing a contact sport. So I don't exactly understand why the PGA has not adjusted its rules. And the excuse they gave was that these are the rules. Now, it was never announced whether Rom had been vaccinated or not. What we do know is that on April 14th, a while back, so about a month and a half ago, almost two months ago, PGA made an announcement that they're not going to test players who have not been vaccinated. So that may tell you that he wasn't vaccinated because he got tested. But there's another rule that says that if you are in contact with someone, even if they test positive, you're in contact. Even if you're vaccinated, you're going to be a part of contact tracing. And that may trump the fact that you've been vaccinated. So we just don't know. So what do you think Ram is going to say, right? It's just, it's not ideal. He said, I'm very disappointed in having to withdraw from the Memorial Tournament. This is one of those things that happens in life. One of those moments where how we respond to a setback defines us as people. I'm thankful to my family. We're all okay. I'll take the necessary precautions. I'm going to come back. Thank you to the fans, blah, blah, blah. Here's what he meant to say. This is horse hockey. I lost an opportunity to win above seven figures. I'm crushing the field and we couldn't find a way. The PGA was going to have nothing from it. The PGA acknowledged it's an incredibly unfortunate situation. They had to do a statement, of course. Then they had to point out that they've had 50 events since the PGA returned post-COVID and with only four positive tests, including Rom. He's the first positive asymptomatic, they said, as part of our routine contact tracing protocols. Blah, blah, blah. 
You want to know what my thoughts are of the rules? During this time of COVID, there's got to be constant communication. There has to be constant adjustments to the rules. If we start seeing the, var the Delta variant, and all of a sudden the cases are up, and all of a sudden we've got hospitalizations up and death rates up, we have to make an adjustment. If we've got asymptomatic people, more people testing positive, but the majority of us are being vaccinated, and if you have proof of vaccination and we can check it and that you don't have a fake vax ID, then that makes you able to do things that others cannot do. We've got to be a game of adjustment. It's a life of adjustments. And I feel as though the PGA Tour has not made any of them. And that bothered me. I felt badly for John. I mean, it went away because whatever. But at that moment, I felt badly. So thank you very much for the So You Want to Talk to Samson question. Please take a minute right now. We haven't done this on the show, Coco, but we're doing it right now. We're going to take a moment of silence for Samson in the movie Half-Baked, played by Clarence Williams III, who passed away at 81 yesterday. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that was outstanding with Ed Helms, who is showing some serious acting range. And unfortunately, we're going to have to get to my crappy weekend of picks of the day. We will be right back. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. You've made it through the gauntlet. It is Monday. I get to watch movies. I watched a lot of movies this weekend. Sports, movies. I wake up super early. Actually started training for a couple marathons today. Woke up even earlier. Got a run in. I stopped sweating about one second before taping this. 
although I do have my hanky with me in case I sweat, and there's a fan that is blowing right in my face at the moment, and I've got extra water and a little G2. Actually, that's not true. It's Gatorade Zero. Actually, I can't even say that. They're not a sponsor. I'm drinking electrolyte replacement. <laughs> so I watch a movie every day, and sometimes I go to Netflix, or I go to Amazon, or I go to Hulu, I go to a streaming service, sometimes I go to Apple, and I saw this movie called Together Together, and I didn't know what it was about, but it had Ed Helms in it, and I'd never heard of it. Ed Helms from The Hangover, the guy who lost his tooth and had a one-night thing with Heather Graham, that guy. So I was going to watch it no matter what. So I turn on the movie, and it turns out Ed Helms plays a single man who wants to have a baby. And you don't really get the backstory. You just see him interviewing women to be surrogates. And you don't really know whether it was artificial insemination. You don't, you don't know whether or not they had actual sex. You really don't know anything. You just know that he interviews a woman and this woman gets hired. She's young, like 27 years old. He's in his 40s. And he thinks it's his last opportunity to father a child and he wants to do it. And so, it's gonna be an ordinary movie, right? About a guy and a girl, and somehow they fall in love while she's his surrogate, and they end up raising the baby together. Or she changes her mind and then keeps the baby and he's despondent. No, this is not an ordinary movie. Together Together is a smartly written, perfectly acted, funny, but extremely interesting and serious movie that ends in a way that is completely unexpected. And given the audiences today, I don't know that it works. Because audiences today, for whatever reason, and I'm not impugning your intelligence as the movie-loving audience. I'm not at all. Nor am I saying that I'm this sort of stuffy guy in the balcony criticizing either movies, movie makers, or those who watch movies. What I am saying is that the lowest common denominator seems to be what most movies are these days. They are a certain amount of action with a certain number of stars doing a certain number of stunts. There's a certain number of nude scenes. There's a certain number of swear words. They put the formula in. The formula works because all of us watch it. We pay for streaming services and everyone lives happily ever after. But every once in a while, there's a small budget movie. And I watched several of them this weekend. Spoiler alert, I'm going to review a movie later on, but I already watched it this weekend called The Dry with Eric Bana, an Australian movie that was out of this world. That's not the review, though. So Together Together ends in a way that is incredibly fulfilling and how unfulfilling it is. That's just different. Most of us need a certain ending. We need the confetti. We need the popcorn. That's not an ending. What's the word when it's uh, you know, a happily ever after, I guess? And I'm not spoiling anything because maybe it is a happily ever after. Maybe it's not a happily ever after. Together, together. Now, together, together. They are together, together. Are they apart together? Are they together as individuals? Are they together as this interesting couple of a father and a surrogate? Check it out, please. Together, together. I did not get distracted. It's a short movie, and I strongly suggest you see it. Okay. You know, I try to give picks every weekend. I got really cocky when we were almost 30 games over. 
and it's just been a horrible streak. We're down to 20 games over 500. Now, 77 and 57 for picking every day is not horrible, but I'm quite disappointed in myself. I really thought the Mavs would beat the Clippers in game six. They were getting two and a half points. They've got, to me, the best player in basketball. I know. Everyone stay calm because he's not even going to win the MVP. But if I had to start a team right now, People always ask that. If you had to start a baseball team right now, who would you start? Would you take Mike Trout? Would you take Acuna? Would you take Tatis? When you have to start a team, you start with an ace. Do I need to win now? In the next few years, I'm taking DeGrom, obviously. Otherwise, I'm taking a really good young pitcher. Maybe Otani. I'm definitely not taking Trout. What if you had to start a basketball team? Who are you taking? I want to hear, are you taking Trey Young? He's been playing unbelievably well. The Hawks beat the Sixers, actually, in game one of that series. Taking Joel Embiid? You're definitely not taking LeBron. You're definitely not taking Kawhi Leonard. Not too old, right? But so good. I think you're taking Jokic, MVP? Nah. I'm taking Luka. The Dallas Mavericks have the player who I would start my franchise with. He played a game seven yesterday that was absolutely spectacular. I think he scored 46 points. But Mark Cuban sitting there in the front row, opposite side. It looked like a divorced couple. You had Steve Ballmer under one half court at the end of the court, which, by the way, those are not the best seats by any stretch. The best seats are court side in between the benches. But Mark Cuban sat behind the basket. On one side near his bench, Steve Ballmer sat behind the basket on the other side near his bench. And I was just watching them in agony, thinking back to watching games when you have a stake, an emotional and financial stake. Mine was always emotional, but I guess you could say it's financial because you win, you get bonuses and stuff. But someone had to lose. Luca or Kawhi was going to lose in round one. If the Clippers had lost, I think the NBA would have been disappointed. Although promoting Luca as your best player would have been fine. But Luca can't do it alone. You know, he's got Tim Hardaway Jr. He's got Porzingis, who you can't win with, in my opinion. They've got some pieces, but the Clippers were the better team. That was the first home win in a seven-game series in a game seven. The first six games were won by the road team. Anyway, on Friday, we had the Mavs closing it out, and they didn't. We lost. Saturday, to me, was a slam dunk. Clayton Kershaw, a bad start. Dodgers over the Braves. No, the Dodgers, the third-place Dodgers, behind the Giants and the Padres, Clayton Kershaw, who I on this show told you is now middle to bottom of the rotation pitcher, yet I took him for a pick of the day over the team I chose to win the damn World Series. What the hell's wrong with me? I deserve that loss. The Bucks loss I was not happy about. Bucks plus four versus Nets. James Harden out with a hamstring. Everything's looking good. Sports betting is difficult. Go to DraftKings. Open an account. I'm, I'm not pimping for DraftKings. I promise you that. Well, the Bucks plus four didn't hit. So I had one possibility, one chance to maybe go one and three on the weekend. I've got the Yankees, but they lost on Saturday, which means if the Red Sox won yesterday, the Red Sox would sweep the Yankees in Yankee Stadium for the first time in 10 years. No chance that's going to happen. Coca calls me to say, you're going to go 0 and 4. You stink. The Yankees should have won that game. The Red Sox came back and won it in extra innings. We won. God, the Yankees are in trouble. What do you think the Yankees are going to do? So, by the way, we went one and three. So, we're 77 and 57. 
What do you exactly think that the Yankees are doing right now? Are they going to trade for a center fielder? Are they going to trade for a pitcher? They had their social media release that Luis Severino had a rehab start throwing 98. That's exciting. It doesn't mean a thing. Not even one single thing. <sighs> okay, we need a pick tonight. Should we go back to the well, Coca? How do you not, right? How do you not go back to the well? It's what I do. I chase Amy. I'm going to watch the NBA tonight. I'm going to watch the Bucs play the Nets. Not because I chose the Bucs to win the title. Not because Harden's not playing, which he's not, because it's the same hamstring he hurt. Likely, he's out for the series in my mind. When you come back too early from a hamstring, you end up having to be out longer. But the Nets are deep. Kevin Durant was on the cover of the New York Times Sunday Magazine this week for crying out loud. That's the second one. Cut that, Coca. Seven, eight, nine. Kevin Durant was on the cover of the New York Times Magazine. That's how hot these Nets are. Bucks are getting one and a half. They're going to tie the series. Giannis is not letting the Bucks go down two nothing. He's just not. Take the Bucks plus one and a half, and let's try to get over twenty games, over five hundred. Okay. So I've been watching a lot of basketball. I hope you are too. Playoffs is fun. Do you, do you, do you remember watching the playoffs recently when they were in the bubble and it looked like a the, the wrestling set where you couldn't really tell what was going on? Was it fixed? Was it not fixed? They were pumping in noise. It was totally annoying. But now they're playing in front of fans and it just feels so good to have fans back. There's, It's not helping home teams versus road teams. I don't think it's doing anything like that. It just feels better and different. So I'm watching the NBA playoffs, and I'm looking at the, mat, the second round matches because the first round ended with the Clippers beating the Mavs. So I'm looking at the Clippers advanced, the Jazz have advanced, the Phoenix Suns have advanced, the Denver Nuggets have advanced. So those are four teams that are left. And I was thinking, interesting, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Suns. That's not the Lakers. Huh. Okay. What about in the Eastern Conference? Who's playing? Well, the Bucks, the Nets. <laughs> Cook, I'm totally blank. This is it. We're live. We are live right now, and I'm completely blanking as to who the other matchup is. It's Bucks Nets, and it's, oh my God, it was the game, Sixers-Hawks. Thank you. So I'm thinking about the Sixers and the Hawks. I'm trying to remember the last time the Hawks won the NBA title, and I couldn't remember it because they're always in the lottery. The Sixers, I was thinking back, I think they won it in like 1983 with Julius Serving and Moses Malone. Then I was thinking about the Nets, I don't ever remember the Nets winning an NBA championship. I could be wrong. I think they may have won in the ABA, but never in the NBA. I'm thinking about the Bucs, and I know for a fact they have not won since 1971. So that's, you know, 50 years. So that's the Eastern Conference. And then I'm thinking about the Western Conference. I'm thinking about the Jazz. With Carl Malone and John Stockton, they kept losing to the Bulls. I've never seen a parade where John Smith went to church. And then I'm thinking about the Phoenix Suns. And I think they may have won a title with Alvin Adams and Garfield Hurd way back in the day, but maybe not. I certainly don't remember a title in the last 50 years. 
And then I realized, and then I searched it. Do you realize that the teams that are left in the playoffs, none of them have won a title in the last 37 years, which means there's going to be a brand new NBA champion for the first time in 37 years. I know that Adam Silver is not happy that the Lakers are gone and the Knicks are gone, but he's got to be happy because parity is something and hope is something that you sell to your fan base, to your sponsors. It's the big buzzword in baseball. We're selling hope and faith and teams want rings. Cities want rings because you can ride a ring for 20 years and there is going to be a city that will host a parade come July that we haven't seen. That's pretty cool. Congratulations to Adam Silver. One of the teams that is not in the playoffs that is worthy of discussion is the Portland Trailblazers. Portland has had a good team. Remember Cliff Robinson, who recently passed away, and they had Jerome Kersey and Kevin Duckworth and Terry Porter. They had good teams back in the day. Chris Dudley was on the Trailblazers a long time ago. Now they've got a team where they have C.J. McCollum and uh, Dame Lillard, and they, they were eliminated in the first round, and they fired their head coach, who'd been around for nine years. His name is Terry Stotts. He'd been around, and they had lost in the first round like four of the last five years. Whatever the case is, the reality is that Portland's looking for a new coach. So is the Orlando Magic, but that's not news. Who cares? Sorry, Orlando, but you haven't been relevant since Penny. Have you? I don't think so. So Portland has an opening, but Portland has a bigger problem. And it got me thinking about the power of the player and how much players get involved in who their head coach is. Because you remember how involved LeBron James gets in his coaching choices. You remember that in the NBA, it is a star-driven league where players fix who they're going to play with, what team they're going to play with, who their teammates are going to be, who the team is going to draft, who the coach is going to be, who the assistant coach is going to be. It is the absolute tail wagging the dog in that sport, unlike any sport I'd ever seen. So when Dame Lillard, he finishes the season, Terry Stotts get, gets fired, and Dame Lillard says, I want Jason Kidd. Yeah, that Jason Kidd. Yeah, the domestic abuser, Jason Kidd. The Hall of Fame, one of the greatest point guards in history, Jason Kidd. The top assistant coach for the Lakers, Jason Kidd. That Jason Kidd. Lillard said, I want him to be my head coach. My reaction when I saw that was very simple. I said, that'll do it. There's no search forthcoming. Lillard is going to be the head coach of the Portland Trail. Bob Lillard, thank you. 7-8-69. My reaction was very simple to Lillard saying he wanted Jason Kidd as head coach, that Jason Kidd would be named. So imagine my surprise when I saw this weekend that Jason Kidd has, quote, pulled himself from consideration for the head coaching job of the Portland Trailblazers and then made a statement. It's not like the guy got interviewed yet. Jason Kidd made a statement that said, Portland is a first-class organization and they will have great candidates for its head coaching job, but I've decided not to be one of them. Whoever they choose will have big shoes to fill from Terry. He meant Terry Stotts, the coach who just got fired. I'm not sure what the big shoes are. If you get to the second round, you've, you've outgrown the shoes. So then people started digging and they realized that it turns out that what Kidd is saying off the record 
is that he was very uncomfortable that Lillard had endorsed him. And he didn't want to pursue that job because he thought that by Lillard calling for his hiring, by saying, you're the guy I want, get me Jason Kidd, that the process of hiring that Portland goes through, the joke of a process that all teams go through in hiring managers, they pretend to go through a process. Oh, we're going to interview five guys. We'd have two white guys, three people of color, and then we're going to choose exactly who our star player wants. It's a farce. It's a sham. It's a joke. But now Jason Kidd all of a sudden says, you know, I don't want to hurt their process. It's laughable. That's not what went on. The only possible reason that Jason Kidd would pull out from being considered to be a head coach, I just thought of a second. The second one, which is not the reason, he doesn't want to move to Portland, but give me a break. When you are a coach, that's a straight GMAB, right? You're a coach, you're, you're a manager, you're a hitting coach, you're an assistant coach. You know part of your job is you're going to have to move to different cities, and there's only 32 jobs as head coach in the NBA. When you can be a head coach, what do you want to be, the second banana to Vogel? Is it Fogel? Vogel? I'm going to get the name wrong, Coco. What's the name of the coach of the Los Angeles Lakers? I thought it was Frank V-O-G-E-L, but I could be wrong, but whatever. He's this top assistant coach. Is that the plan? No, you don't want to be the top assistant coach. You want the head job. So why would he pull himself out of consideration? Oh, I think I got the reason. Maybe his agent was told that he wasn't in consideration. Maybe the Portland Trailblazers said to Lillard, why don't you shut your yapper and stop telling us who you want? Because we'll trade you to the Knicks or to some other basketball outpost. I don't mean to say the Knicks are not post. That was so rude, but they sort of are now post because they haven't won in so long, but it is New York. So by definition, you're not an outpost. We're going to trade you. So don't tell us who you want as coach or we're going to keep you, <clears throat> but don't tell us who you want as coach. Isn't that a more logical solution? Isn't that a more logical answer to what happened? That Jason Kidd pulled himself from consideration only after he found out that he wasn't in consideration? That's how it always works. Nobody says, no, thank you. No free agent player ever says, I really don't want to play for the Oakland Athletics. They only say it when they know the Athletics will not offer them the most money. No coach says, you know what? I really, I don't want to coach there. They say it, right? It's funny. It's funny. I'm out. Jason Kidd won't be coaching. I think he won't be coaching anywhere. Something else is going on. What could it be? Hmm. Maybe teams don't want to take the chance of hiring someone who doesn't know how to act properly. Maybe he was promised the Lakers head coaching job once Vogel resigns or retires or gets fired if the Lakers don't make it again. Maybe he's the coach in waiting. Huh. Wait to see. Well, I've enjoyed this Monday show. The word of the day was gotcha. We have a great pick of the day. Please. Bucks plus one and a half. Remember, even when we lose some picks, it's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. 
And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.